0: It's HBR, all things considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, concluding the latest episode in our Road Stories interview series. Find part one from yesterday at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories with a member of American musical royalty, Ivan Neville, keyboardist, vocalist, and son of Aaron Neville, and member of the historic Neville family of New Orleans that brought the world the Neville brothers and the meters. Ivan's back with a new solo album, Touch My Soul, we're hearing a track featuring his uncle Cyril right now. It's called "Might Last a Lifetime." Oh,
1: it's Ivan it might just last a lifetime.
0: Neville with us. This record has, uh, it features your Uncle Cyril on there. We were talking about your pop is also on there. Dialing into, what a unique way to grow up. So you grow up, you're this little kid, and you've got a family, a bunch of brothers, um, who are... Making this band, that influential kind of band, changing the face of music in a lot of ways, exporting New Orleans sound, but then mixing it with funk and soul and rock and this um, combination of stuff that was the Neville Brothers. And so think all the way back to when you were a child, how were you first exposed to their touring routine? paint a picture of what life was like and the kinds of interesting lessons and or fun memories that now, especially like you don't have all of your uncle's art has passed on. Right. And, when, Charles. and Charles, when you think about like those being a little kid, just things that are, are great to remember.
2: Well, first, first, first of all, I want to point out how great you described that that situation you you described (laughs) what the neville brothers did so so amazingly thank you (laughs) i was impressed by that man i really am
0: i appreciate it
2: because it's it's a perfect analogy of what they did because they are one of the most influential bands out of new orleans ever and what's funny is my uncle art he happened to not only start that band he started another band that was meters
0: (laughs) of course
2: that were amazingly influential funk. for music as we know it, right. funk music and everything else. So basically, so when when I was a kid and I knew that my dad was going to, to sing or my Uncle Art maybe picked him up. And he, my Uncle Art lived like a block away from us. like But so he would pick him up in his car and they would go on to a gig. I, and it, it just the fact that I knew that they were all musicians was just kind of a cool thing. Now, they were they were mostly like kind of we we they, they were blue collar kind of cats because they didn't my dad didn't have a lot of financial success early on right. he had that he had the song tell it like it is was like this big hit maybe reached to number two perhaps on the pop charts and whatnot and he didn't make any money on that stuff so we it didn't change our lives were the same for quite a while and watching them do what they were doing. And he would, he would like have other jobs to supplement his music income right. or lack thereof. Got it. And he would go work on the riverfront and do other all kinds of odd jobs. So I watched him really take care of his family as best he could with the music. And, and there was the, it was just musical around us because we had characters. We had like James Booker, this amazing piano player who right. was like, an absolute character. And then we had um, Dr. John, Mac Rebinat, this guy. And I remember the first time I saw Alan Toussaint. Alan Toussaint was the songwriter that had already written a bunch of songs and he had done well for himself. So he was doing, I saw him pull up on a motorcycle one time and he had on like this boss sweater and he, he had these uh, these boots, the pants tucked in the boots, and he looked sharp. And I was like, I said, Dad, who's who's that guy? What? You know, this guy's doing well. He's right. doing better than we're doing. And my dad, my dad said, that's Alan Toussaint. And I figured it out who he was. And he had written a, a lot of songs, and he had produced a lot of the music that was going on uh, locally in New Orleans. But I, you know, seeing them kind of doing what they were doing, and and, and seeing my dad. It's it's really special later on when I realized that he was grinding it out, man. He was playing shows, playing in clubs, and they weren't, like, making it big yet. You know, they were just doing the grind and playing music, you know, taking care of their families as best they could. And the Neville brothers, I'm going to go back to when I started playing with them when I was maybe 18, 19 years old. So... They took me on the road. The first tour I ever went on, the Neville brothers were fairly new. They had only been a band for maybe a couple years, maybe two years perhaps. And I went out, and there's a celebration and a tradition in New Orleans it's called the Mardi Gras Indians. And if you come to New Orleans during Mardi Gras time, you're going to see parades, but you're also going to see, if you go to certain areas of the city, you're going to see Mardi Gras Indians. And that's African Americans that dress up as Indians.
0: Native Americans. And
2: yes, yes, and it's and that, that's a whole history behind that. Right. I won't get into that, but my great uncle, George Landry, also known as Big Chief Jolly of the Wild Chopper right. they had a tour, it was called the Mardi Gras Mambo, and it was the Neville brothers, Dr. John, and the Wild Chopper Tulas. So the Neville's would do a set, and then toward the end of the set, I would come out with an Indian costume, wow. along with my great uncle, and my uncle Charles would come back and put a costume on, and we would come back out, and we would have feathers and stuff, and looking beautiful, and we would play these songs, the Wild Chappatula songs. And that was my first introduction into touring with them. And I played a little bit, keyboards, maybe on maybe one song, uh-huh. and then somewhere on the tour, one night, Dr. John looked at me, because he would, I think he played a set beforehand. And one night he said he invited me to play with him. Whoa. He said, Ivan, why, why don't you come play some of that funky clavinet <laughs> on right place, wrong time. And I'd go up and play clavinet, the funky keyboard. <laughs> right. and P, you might be, if you don't know what a clavinet is, it's, a one, it's, it's an instrument that Stevie Wonder used yeah. a lot. Sly Stone used a lot. I would play that with with Dr. John on one song, and then I would go back and I would come out at some point with the Indian costume (laughs) with the Nevels. So that was my introduction into the first tour that I had ever done with the brothers. Now, when we went back home, I was determined to up my keyboard playing and whatnot, and then they they let me in the band and I became a, a member of the group. playing keyboards with them
0: what a great it's a kind of a variety (laughs) show though of experience for you because it'll really help shape your kind of uh how you can perform because you had to do a little bit of everything not to mention though the real humble aspect of uh what a lot of people don't realize which is the grit it takes to make it because for so many artists they're not superstars there's an illusion that they have a lot of money, and it takes a long time before that sort of thing comes, if it ever does. Uh, and then there's no real guarantees. It's not like a job that other people have uh, that has uh, health insurance and stuff that comes with it from an, yeah, emplo- yeah. an, an employer. It's a it's a very, very yes. different thing. And finally, final question for you, uh, because I don't think uh, we ever talked about it last time. And uh, we did talk about your late mom, though, because I, I know the— The song that I like so much, Yellow Moon, uh, connects uh, to to your mom. Yeah. But um, your gumbo recipe, for any of our listeners who who might find that useful. Okay. I hear that this is what it is. Onion, bell pepper, garlic, celery. There's three different kinds of sausage. Then you've got chicken thighs and chicken breasts, some lump crab meat, and shrimp but then there's a very special pot that you use.
2: Oh yeah, I got this one pot I use, but it's one other element and that's called the roux. Ah. The roux and by 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 the way my mom's maiden name
0: is Roux. Right.
2: Joel Roo, Roux, R O U X. Right. So, I learned how to make a roux watching her and that's just uh flour and um oil. And I would, I would have a mixture of vegetable oil and bacon grease to make my
0: room. <laughs> okay. That's my room.
2: Yes, yes.
0: The secret ingredient. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom. the ingredients. You got
2: all the ingredients, right?
0: I did? Okay. And that's...
2: I mean, yeah. Bay leaf, bay leaf as well, bay leaf.
0: Okay. Like three, four bay leaves, yeah. It's a great pleasure, as always. Someday, hopefully, we'll get to try your... Uh, your gumbo ourself brother Ivan it's Ivan I'm Neville not. from America's uh, royalty we like to say the Neville family and uh, touch my soul thank you very much man great talking to you alright my brother well high fives great seeing you great talking thank again thank you Dave
2: thank you very much
0: peace man
1: okay, I know nothing's wrong Nothing's